Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, and I'm in beautiful Wuhan, China. I'm originally from California and the U.S., and we are here today with Alex. Hi, everybody. This is Alex. I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing at this very moment. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today's topic is cross-cultural diffusion. So basically, like, what ideas from China and stuff in from China has made its way to, like, elsewhere, the United States specifically, but elsewhere generally, and, like, what stuff that's popular in the U.S. Is, or in the West has, like, filtered into China? What, what, you know, what do people like on both sides, kind of? Or what has happened to stuff, and how has it changed when it's come over? So... I wanted to start with the obvious one, Chinese food. <laughs> this is really interesting. And I, I, everyone I talk to agrees that once Chinese food somehow made it into America, it's not Chinese food anymore. It's American Chinese food. Yeah. So like, what are this? Panda Express? Is that what it's called? And uh, Panda Express and P.F. Chang's. Yeah. Yeah. And also just, there's lots of mom right. and pop places. And you know, what's really interesting is, okay, it says like mom and pop Hunan food. Yay. But it's, if you go to Hunan, food's not like that. No. So who are the, <laughs> who are these mom and pops? <laughs> is it the ingredients? Is that what it is? I don't understand. What, why is it so I think different? the biggest uh, thing, first off, a, a huge disclaimer, regardless of how how like authentic these American Chinese food or Chinese American Chinese food is in the states? I do miss them sometimes. Mm, oh yeah, absolutely. Go to America Chinese food in quotes. I love it. It's delicious. It's salty. It's wonderful. They have some dishes that I I've never seen here. I mean, I've seen some General Tso's chicken, but I've I've seen the same things too. You know, like they have kung pao chicken. You know, kung pao eating. You get that here. Yeah, it's very different. It's a little bit different. I, yeah, it's it's not. Very, you know, there's you, maybe you're right. I would argue otherwise. <laughs> there's a cliche though that yeah. expats only order that. There was that went around for a few years. We're like, oh, it's an expat. Get the kung, kung pao, pao chicken, chicken ready. <laughs> You'll be happy. Yeah. Okay. You can have some kung pao chicken, but like, <laughs> you're an expat. That's what you eat. But right? it is. It is. A lot of people do kind of get obsessed with it. Uh, expats living here. But going back to what we're saying, like the Chinese American American Chinese food in America. That is so confusing. How you actually China. Chinese food in America. Let's let's just say it that way. Yeah, I don't know. Right, Chinese with quotation marks for sure. Yeah, that, that um, sounds good. That's fine. Because oh, I've great. seen or I have I've seen names of the food items on their menu, and it's like beef with brown sauce, chicken with brown sauce. I'm like, what is brown sauce? It's how we cook. Like, but they, I feel like they simplify what it is because. If you're really looking at, you know, the the ingredients mm. or the cooking method, it's like it's like beef with uh with 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 garlic and scallion, and we're gonna you know dabbled with soy sauce and cooking wine. Man, you're making me hungry, yes. Alex. <laughs> I mean, it is getting to almost getting to that time of the day, but you know, I think the whole sauce thing, it's like conforming Chinese food and its cooking method to what people are used to 
in the U.S. Because you know the one thing, another thing that I also super missed when I was living in the U.S. was the food food trucks, and they're always、mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, white sauce or red sauce or whatever. I think this this whole sauce thing became way too popular and easier for people to accept, and then all these、mm. Chinese places just started. Not copying, but they're like, "Oh, let's do this. It's easier for us to kind of promote the food that we have. It's like chicken with brown sauce and, and fish with brown sauce. Everything with brown sauce." Change gear a little bit and talk about you know a parallel. I oftentimes hear from like Latin folks that you know Americans don't have Mexican food and that、yeah. it's like <laughs> Tex-Mex or Cal-Mex or however they want to describe it. Yeah, and that it's like oh you don't a taco doesn't have all this stuff. Why does it have like you know twenty ingredients? It's supposed to have like. Two or three ingredients. Americans basically they take food from around the world, and there's not a lot of indigenous American food that people are like that's from America. Yeah, even like the hamburgers like contested, it's like <laughs> from somewhere in Europe maybe apparently. But so like Americans just take other people's food and then they add all these. <laughs> okay, it would be good with this and that and this other thing, and then they make it into their own. And I mean, I don't even know. You know Taco Bell, right? Yes. When I was a kid, Taco Bell served like burritos and tacos and like pintos with cheese and like that was it. Now it's like. Burrito like coated burritos with like I have no idea what's inside. It's a crazy. Oh yeah, I saw that. Or yeah, no. <laughs> I love no. Taco Bell. I'm not complaining. Chinese people have been living in the states for 150 years since like the railroad projects, and like a lot of people are fourth, fifth generation、yeah. Chinese. They don't all work in restaurants, obviously. They're doctors and lawyers and all these things, but a lot of them still do cook. But their cooking has changed, and it's become very different. I think so. I mean, I have a friend who just moved to well, not America, but Canada to help his family set up their mm, mm. family restaurants. I knew some Chinese folks when I was in in university in San Francisco, and there were actually some restaurants that they knew, and they were like, "Oh, we're going here." I was like, "I know a Chinese place." No, you don't, Jason. And they would bring me to like these places, and I was like, "What is this? This is very <laughs> different. This isn't Chinese food." And they're like, "No, this is Chinese food." And when I came to China, it's like. Oh, okay. They were right. That was actually like you know. So there are special places, you know, that you can go, but it's like in、oh. the know kind of people. Like actually from China, first generation. They're here. They're like, try this. What? Try this. What? Try this. Yeah. Yes,、okay. One thing that I just couldn't be impressed with was all of these.、Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong; those places were good, but my friend was like super keen on taking me to these. Fusion places. Mm, mm, mm. He's like, oh, it's it's fusion、uh, Chinese and Mexican. Whoa! <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> Yeah, imagine like putting egg fried rice in a taco or something like that, and then you know,、wow. like a tortilla. I don't know. I was like, okay, it it works, but you know, it's um.、Mm. No, and and I want to 
just speaking of fusion food, I just want to share a really quick little funny story mm-hmm. that we we just heard last night. And our friend, and she's if she hears this, she's gonna be. I hope she's not gonna be mad. But she did this. <laughs> she her. We were talking about the most underwhelming meal that we've ever had in our lives, and mm. um, her daughter, who's thirteen, goes. Oh, mom, you really, really like that's okay. Remember that time when you opened the fridge and and Dad and I were still not up yet, and you saw the leftovers in the fridge, and you're like, "Huh, let me put everything in a blender <laughs> and, and, and heat it and heat it up, and um, um, just put some uh, cream on top of it and serve the soup to my beloved husband and my daughter." And they were like, "That's the most. Uh, it's not wow. disgusting, but I was like." But in a way, that's fusion. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is why fusion food just kind of like I don't get super impressed with like these Asian fusion places, but they're super popular in the states, and most of them are really fancy as well. I was like, you're asking me to pay sixteen dollars for four dumplings? No, thank you. I don't care what sauce you put on top of it. No. I have a question. You know, I was talking about San Francisco. You lived on the East Coast. Yeah. Did you find you, your first generation? You came from North, from Dongbei, and from like China, and you went there. Did you find like, which in quotations, authentic Chinese food over there? I was actually able to in uh, uh, in in Boston and New York, and especially later in New York, flushing was super easy. It was really um, reminding me of home every time I go there. Mm-hmm. The only hard time that I had was in Charlotte, North Carolina. But even mm-hmm. there, there was a restaurant called. Um, unsurprisingly the great wall um (laughs) and they were serving not exactly authentic uh chinese food but um it was the only thing that i had that's closest to you know what i could have other than that i actually try to become a chef for myself (laughs) because i was I i was getting all of these ingredients and seasonings from this website um shipped and just have stuff shipped to my house and i made um this is not going to make sense if you don't know the Chinese name, but the, you know the lamb spine hot pot? The young. Lamb spine? Yeah. Yang xie no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, you, maybe it's a different translation, but you know, it's it's a, a lamb hot pot. Basically, I made the shui zhu yu, the water boiled uh, fish, you know, that spicy mm, thing at mm, home. Mm-hmm, I made mm-hmm. da pan ji, big plate chicken, go, like, of course, kung pao chicken, mapo tofu, all of these things. I made all of those, all of that, those dishes at home by myself because there's nowhere else for me to go. And if I did, <laughs> like, one person, like a meal for one person would cost me at least 40 or $50, sometimes $80 mm. with like delivery fee and all of that. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's, but other than that, Boston and New York were a lot easier, pricier, but easier. You actually remind me of myself when my first few years living in China, I was <laughs> always on the lookout for like buying right, the right cheddar and making like spaghetti at home. And st- I don't do that anymore. I don't know why, but I, I guess I've just like, 
acclimated more and now i'm just like eating chinese food like all the time but my first few years it was like constantly how, yeah. how, how all the time oh, all the time my boyfriend says this like he's like yeah i could eat chinese food for like a month and then like a day later he's like can we have pizza for dinner so uh, what's oh, okay okay you're right you're right what's yeah. all the time <laughs> i i would say 80 to 90 percent of my meals are chinese like food and like i do have yes like just like your boyfriend I, it's like a time to order pizza yes <laughs> that's good enough my wife is like you're ordering pizza again and like, yeah that's that's <laughs> so that's true and she'll usually like have a piece or two and then she's yeah, like okay same, yeah it's yours now. we're the same kind of people yeah. i guess <laughs> you know that's not the only stuff you know food is not the only thing that's diffused well actually before we move on maybe we should talk about what western foods have like diffused into china you know let's talk about the opposite oh absolutely because they're like you go to sandley tune and there's like you know sorry for those who are listening sandley tune is like the neighborhood the happening place there's burger restaurants everywhere it's pretty authentic though yeah yeah no? yeah absolutely right they're, they're really good burgers. they have like burger festivals where like the the beijinger has like all these competitions for like who has the best burgers yeah. which i always find ridiculous why but, it's like, fun i guess it's fun i don't know i feels sometimes weird being in China, like voting for the best burger. It's like, I came to China ah, to experience a different culture. And suddenly like my friends are begging me to vote for their, their favorite <laughs> burger restaurant. Like, did I just come here and continue living the same life? Or did I come well, here to like be in China? You know, look at it, look at it as the, the, the lion dance parade in China <laughs> for yeah. Chinese people living yeah, in the States. So. And then you'll feel better about it. But I feel like the, the foreign cuisines like if we're talking about foreign food like for the restaurants mm. for foreign cuisines i i personally i felt like they are still pretty mm -hmm, mm -hmm. authentic there's some italian places in beijing that are really really you know they they mm. provide you with really authentic flavors um it's not like chinese nice and stuff it's usually in my memory and in my um uh in my knowledge system it's usually the chain restaurants the fast food restaurants that tend to do a little more let's say adaptation or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh you know uh, localization of their of their food menu mm -hmm. and mcdonald's and uh, uh kfc which i believe were the first two foreign fast food restaurant chains that entered china in the early 90s um they have always been trying to do something that's more chinese and make mm -hmm. sure the mm -hmm. menu is not completely uh just the same with what they have in the in the United States. And those items are always, most of the time, pretty popular with Chinese people because it's a foreign brand, but mm. hey, the it's still, you know, speak to our taste buds. So that's that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty good. I was thinking about Taco Bell because they have one in Shanghai and they opened one recently in Beijing. Yeah. About, I don't know, what, two years ago, three years ago. I went there to both of them because I'm a fan of like Taco Bell. I don't know why. Anyways, they don't have... <laughs> beans so what they've done is they've added more meat and rice and like so you order a burrito there's no beans how is a burrito a burrito without beans but you know it's good because i like cheese and i'm like yay there's cheese and sauce and there's uh, yum but like it's, it's a little peculiar to me that like taco bell when, when i was a kid it was beans that's like the core component of what makes taco bell taco bell but now hmm. now that's really interesting taco bell is Mex Americanized Mexican food yeah. comes over to China. It becomes <laughs> cinified American Mexican food. I'm just thinking if 
the Taco Bells in China are really popular and they jump to like Mongolia or something. Right. And then what people, do we, what do we call that? <laughs> or, or rather people what the, the question, the kind of question people would ask, like what kind of food is Taco Bell? And they're like, it's Mexican. No, but what kind of food is it really Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's international, right? If it's just transforming one jump at a time, it's become hashtag just fusion. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like the ultimate fusion. It's just going to the next. Anyways, yeah. I, maybe McDonald's is too, to some extent, because it's everywhere. It, it's it is. global. And I, I've wanted right. to try different, uh, you know, McDonald's items from different countries. Yeah, yeah. That would be a good adventure. Actually, I have a friend who does the opposite, kind of. He goes to all the McDonald's and orders the same or the item. same thing? <laughs> yeah, because he wants to make sure. I'm just checking. Is it the same? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what's the point then? <laughs> <laughs> just to prove myself right. There are a lot of other things besides food that diffuse. I, I actually have a list here of all the, you know, ancient kind of technologies yeah. that come from China and have diffused around the world to everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the compass, yeah, paper, printing, boat rudders, porcelain, the iron plow, seismography, silk, the crossbow, coffins. And gunpowder. Wow. Oh, I looked it up. So it's not like, you know, I, I found another website and I was like, okay, wh- what's there? And so it's really interesting. So these are the things that have diffused from China. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I had this, I, I took history. That was what I studied in university. I had a professor, Dr. Getz, and he <laughs> was talking about like the whole world never really been isolated from itself and yeah. all kinds of technologies, wherever they came from in the history have always diffused around and stuff in Europe made its way East and stuff in China made its way West mm-hmm. and stuff in the middle East kind of went every direction and like math and like, you know, to all kinds of technologies have always just sort of made their way around the world. Even though there's this, some, some people have a perception of like locked localities of, you know, culture, really things are constant. And really what is the belt and row? The original, Original belt, you know, the original like West East belt where they were the Silk Road, yeah, was where everything was traded really facilitated a lot of that. Yeah, I'm thinking for contemporary things, more or less. So, I know this is not contemporary for China, and it's a very big cliche, <laughs> but kung fu, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, it's the biggest cliche we could probably think of. But yeah, it, it's very popular in the States. Not just Chinese martial arts, but Korean martial arts and Japanese martial arts. Eastern martial arts yeah, are really what's popular with in that? the United States. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I never. I was never one of the people that did it. I'm not really like yeah, a physical person. Yeah, because I never person. put all that information together. And, and it is. Everybody is trying to learn some kind of, you know, fighting technique. This is in China older people generally do Tai Chi but my brother was like oh yeah Tai Chi you know there's a movie from the 80s I think it's called uh, Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze and it's like a kind of a I don't know rural area where Patrick Swayze goes to a bar and he becomes a bouncer and he's like a badass 
And uh, he does Tai Chi like in the back behind a farm at one point. Everyone's like, oh, wow, he looks so cool. I think that really <laughs> actually touched on my brother's generation a lot. And a lot of young people, because of this movie, were, became really interested in Tai Chi. So, he, he was taking Tai Chi classes for a while with a, you know, a Chinese martial art instructor. Uh-huh. This instructor, he did sword play. He didn't just do the slow motions. So he does all the really fast Tai Chi and yeah. stuff too. And so, it's really interesting. In America, Tai Chi is looked at this very cool, very like foreign, but also like really interesting way of moving. And it's associated with Taoism and other stuff where like, I think in in America, Taoism is like the yin-yang symbol. And I'm not sure they understand anything else. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's just my guess. But you know, it's very, very popular. It's definitely diffused into the culture of young people in America. Like, yeah, and if if you think about all of these, uh, a lot of my American friends are like, oh, you don't know those Kung Fu movies from Hong Kong in the 70s or the 80s? I was like, no, we don't. It's it's different. Um, like the, our, the Kung Fu in our head that's worth huh. being put on TV is something different than this. Um, but if you think about these other successful, like really big hits, like the karate kid and you know, all of those, those movies, um, I feel, I don't know why uh, American people are really drawn to exploring this different, very foreign, um, imported way of, of, of fighting. But for China, at least I remember feeling, um, when I was in college, I would walk around because we did have mm. some foreign students, like exchange students in my university, but it wasn't that many people. It was like maybe two, three hundred. And that's really? like wow. everyone from different parts of the world, not just America. Yeah. Um, but I would go, I would go to these like small little hole in the wall places in the back street of the university. And I would walk by mm. some of the residential compounds, like these little, you know, it's a, it's a very unassuming space that you didn't think would be a teaching space. And you will see a group mm. of foreigners practicing <laughs> Tai Chi with just a, a Chinese grandpa. And I was like, you guys, like people are really willing to put time into learning this my my one of my very dear friends who just left china um anna who's from she's not from uh the states but she's from germany she mm. signed up for a tai chi class and she was actually mm-hmm. trying to understand the philosophy of it and then she she took it for like a couple of months and one day we went to her place and she's like we were like anna can you do a demonstration and she's like but it's not about you know showing she's like how about i do this how about i get into the stance and you try to push my arm and one of the the male friends in the group mm-hmm. went up to her and started to try to push her arm and he was like he did this face he was like i can't mm. move her like and she's a smaller lady and he's like i can't move her at all and i tried it myself and <laughs> it's funny how i kind of felt that from a foreign friend and i was like my God, mm, this mm, part of my culture mm. is so powerful and pun intended. My wife, actually, she took some classes for a little while in Beijing. Yeah. They we're not teaching her, you know, like when you look outside in China in the morning, you see all the old, older people doing the really slow motion, like they have the whole loop where they go through the series of, they were not showing her that at all. Instead, they were showing her like one thing. She'd go in for a lesson, one or two hours, and they were just like, how to push this one way. 
okay, just going to push this way for an hour. It, it was very different than I, what I yeah, had imagined. I mean, the whole thing about so. that is being slow and patient and use your chi, <laughs> I guess. I've never taken a Tai Chi class. I haven't either. I, I want to, you know, I just, that's early. <laughs> <laughs> we should, okay, yeah. so. We should do, an, uh, when you when you do come back to Beijing and if you do decide to do an episode, if you're doing a vlog, we should try, go try it together. It would be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be very entertaining for some of my viewers. You know, okay. Okay, so let's reverse that a little bit. Boxing, you know, boxing, I don't know where it comes from. I guess Ireland, I'm just guessing. Sorry if, if, if someone knows where it really came from and they're like, no, it's not from Ireland. Yeah, let us know. But, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, let us know. It, it's very popular in the States and has been for a long time, for like a couple hundred years at least. And, you know, that's something actually you see here in China now. Boxing has diffused over. I went to a boxing match in um, Beijing and I watched my friend Fanto knock the daylights out of his <laughs> opponents and i felt bad i was like oh my gosh you good job my friend is that other guy over right now i know but you know it was there was like hundreds of people in this gym watching these well, actually it was like a series of fights my my friend was just in yeah, the final fight i can't watch it it's <laughs> it's brutal it's brutal I, man yeah, i can't wow. I, it's not my cup of tea but but i did try a boxing class once because boxing right now it's super i guess i guess the whole fitness trend here kind of follows uh suit of what's popular in the states and um, and boxing mm. was one of those things that got really popular in recent years and a lot of girls, and there are a lot of girls who try to, who, who box regularly. And mm. I, I went to try a class for free and it was a, it was a Chinese coach. He's very, very good. And I, I will say that it is the most physically demanding thing I've ever done, but it was mm. also very, it kind of brought out a lot of my, <laughs> my anger. Um, mm. But it wasn't like, you know, one of those, uh, I wouldn't call it therapeutic. It's a weird, it's a weird experience. And I got a bruise on my knuckle because I didn't tie the, mm. the boxing band correctly. Um, uh. But when I saw the bruise afterwards, I was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so caveman like. <laughs> kind of, kind huh. of. You know, you say, uh, I don't mean to take any, uh, have any disrespect for boxers. I've never boxed. But like, you say it's a fitness trend, but you can hurt yourself, like your head and things, right? You can get a concussion potentially or something, can't you? Or get your teeth knocked out. That's even worse. <laughs> I guess they have the teeth guard for that. I don't know. I'm not sure. I've never done it. It looks really scary. It's not the kind of thing I would do because I'm too... Uh, mm, safe <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if safe's the right word because i love cycling i cycle like crazy yeah and I, I you know literally like crazy i think i probably have an accident on the way <laughs> don't say that knock on something i'm knocking on wood oh i don't you. have anything i just did i've got some plas plaster here <laughs> i just knocked on the wood drawer that we have thank you thank you there thank you, you go
I was going to say ping pong, another cliche, but you know, it's real. A lot of Americans like ping pong, you know, it's really interesting. Mm. I always knew about ping pong and I was, I tried it in high school because it was part of PE, you know, okay, it's badminton time. Okay. It's soccer time. Oh, it's ping pong time. Your coach or or your gym instructors always trying to show you some new sport you'd never heard of before. But like I came to uh, China and Every what we call Shaochu, these communities, they have like installed ping pong tables so that if you want to go play ping pong, all you have to do is go downstairs with a partner and you're Uh ready to go. You know, that's really interesting. What was your experience in Dongbei in the northeast of China and ping pong? Is popular there too? Uh, It's popular. Well, I can't say everywhere. I haven't been to every part of China, but I think it's like overall the most popular sports in China and a lot of people know how to it. My parents, both of my parents know how to play it. Um, not, they're not experts, but they could have a game. We actually had a uh, PE class as well, where we were taught how to play ping pong and, but very briefly, and you're talking to probably one of the very few Chinese people that, you know, who don't know how to play ping pong. And when I say I'm very bad at it, I'm, I am very bad at it. I don't think I could have a, like a, 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 what do you call those things? What do you call that exercise when you're just kind of going, no one is attacking, no one is defending, but you're just going back and forth. I don't think I could have. Volleying, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I do that with tennis. I love to play tennis. But with a partner who is also not committed to winning, (laughs) and we just deliberately hit the ball to each other so that we can have the opportunity to hit it back, you know? I think it's called volleying. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I need to look it up. Rallying? Rallying? I don't know. know. We both need to look it up. But I I can't can't play ping pong. But my company does have um, a ping pong room, and I've always, I always hear people when I go work out during lunch hours, when, I, when I'm on my way out, I always hear there will be like a group of uh, four or five people just playing ping pong and they sound like they're having a very lovely time. And I was like, I can't mm. be part of that fun. What a shame. Uh, I have a friend. He lives in uh, Beijing. Uh, I think he works for the same company that you work for, actually, uh, probably in a very different department. But um, he is like really like, oh, my gosh, ping pong. I was like holding it. I was like, yay, this is it, right? No. <laughs> He's like, no, you have to hold it like this. And then like you have to hit it on this side and that side. And there's like a way to like and make spin the, ball. the ball. Yeah, spin <laughs> the ball and make the ball have arcs and stuff. It is like yeah. a, a whole like other universe if when you get deep into ping pong. Well, I guess it's called in the West technically – table tennis but whatever yeah ping pong and like it is a whole like science or of something of course but like speaking of this kind of sport being uh popular overseas i had some american friends who were at my college my college of course and we had i think we had like 10 ping pong tables outside and they were like oh alex let's go play ping pong i'm like yeah sure i'll like i said i'm very i'm very bad at it they're like we know this whole chinese people being humble kind of culture i'm like no i'm really not being humble they're like no alex there's no way that you don't know how to play it you're in college you're a chinese person <laughs> and now they're like let's play and they're like stop being humble I, I we know what you're doing i'm like if you don't believe me all right play with me and then Two seconds later, they were like, okay, I guess you were not being humble. (laughs) Well, you know, it's never too late. It might be. It might be. Talking, hasn't been a glimpse of hope that can fill you up. 
that is diffused from China into other places, and not just the States, everywhere around the world seems to have a Chinatown. You know, London has a Chinatown, New York has a Chinatown, Boston has a Chinatown, LA has a Chinatown, San Francisco mm-hmm. has a Chinatown. I'm sure that they're in Germany and France too. I'm just, I've never, I've never actually technically heard of them, but I feel like I could put money on the table that somewhere in Paris, there's a Chinatown. Probably. I wanted to kind of examine this. Is there, is there an America town in Beijing? I don't really feel like there is. Like, why going one mm-hmm. way is that, you feel there is? Oh, I don't ahead. know if there is Correct a, me. that's really funny. Because there is a German uh, sort of center, and there's a Korean sort of center, which is Wangjing. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. kind yeah. of a, uh, another Korean center in Wudaoko. Um, mm-hmm. there, yeah, there's no American town or, or whatever. I don't know. It's because uh, I don't know what really qualifies it as American. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering about this. I mean, I don't have a right? solution. I was just asking the question. Here in Wuhan, I had a friend recently because I, I vlog and I go over the town and they're like, oh, they've, they've lived mm-hmm. here 10 years. So sometimes they tell me, oh, you should go try this place. So I went to a place recently that's like a French part of Wuhan. Yeah. It's like a French villa area. So I went in and there's this huge sign that says like French town or something. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. I went in and it was like, I didn't see a single French person. There were just Chinese people and there were like laundromats and it would be like Le Laundromat or whatever, you know, and it was like, <laughs> like the Chinese characters on top and then like French words below. But I didn't, I was there walking around for quite a while. I don't know, maybe an hour. I didn't see any French people there. You know, you go to Chinatown in San Francisco, you don't see like a, just a bunch of Americans like hanging out selling you Chinese stuff. It's like Chinese people. It's like a place for Chinese, you know, generational people yeah. to live there. But like the places I go here, I don't feel like, you know, you're right. In Wang, Wangjing in a uh, in a uh, Beijing, there is a lot of there are a lot of Koreans there. Like there are Korean shops, you see Korean places everywhere. It's kind of like kind of like a Korean area. But you go to like America, Okay, San Francisco has a Japan town and it has a Chinatown. And the mission mm-hmm. really is kind of like all the Latin American countries like they hang out in the mission. And you go to North Beach and it's more or less like Italy town, Italian town or whatever. It's like yeah. all of these Italian restaurants. And so in America, it seems like these cloistered off areas that are like for a particular group of other nationalities. In China, yeah. There are areas where people have accumulated a little bit, but there's no like place where it's like demarcated as a particular group of people's place. Instead, you find like expats from everywhere living everywhere. And then maybe there are bell curve areas where they live more. Like maybe there are more foreigners, like expats living in the San Lituan area generally than like dashing or something. Yeah. But like you go to San Francisco and there are Chinese people living all over the city. You know, like in the Sunset District, there are tons of Chinese folks that live there. Yeah. And there's like a lot of restaurants Mm -hmm. all together in the same kind of places over there, but it's not demarcated as a Chinatown. I guess maybe there's a history to like 
possibly like xenophobia in <laughs> these Western places where like the Chinese people maybe needed to like, okay, we're coming together here. This is yeah. going to be our place to protect ourselves from these crazy cowboys. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just guessing. My guess is, my guess is we follow the same logic, which actually makes a, makes a little bit of sense, actually, if you think about it. Um, because bef- I imagine the first batch of immigrants going to the United States probably didn't speak English and it was a lot easier for them to stick together and, mm. you know, try to survive. Whereas, and then the kind of whole Chinatown uh, culture and business came from the fact that they needed to make a living there. So they started their own business. But mm. uh, most of the foreign restaurants here that you see were kind of started to cater to the expat community it wasn't Mm, really mm. you know and there's also i imagine there's not that many um statistically like a big number of expats living in china where they would have to start their own business to support themselves Mm, mm. so they're it's more like oh they need certain kind of services they need Mm. restaurants to help them ease into the the food culture here and that's how these places began started to come around and um chinese uh, customers were like oh this is something new and different I'd, I'd like to try as well so i felt like the way or the reason that these different communities came up were, were different and that's how mm. it's operated differently as well mm. Mm. I, I don't so know. economics economics yeah I have a question, and I don't know the answer. Okay. Where does boba come from, Alex? I think Taiwan. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Well, so it's very popular in the U.S. Tons of people are into boba. I even remember when I was young in college, boba was already a thing. That's a long time ago. So it was like, oh, they we're going to this boba shop. What's that? We put tapioca in the tea <laughs> with milk and sugar. And I'm like, yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's very, it's very popular. It's definitely Did diffused. Did people use tapioca before like boba tea was a thing in the United States? I feel like... It's something my grandma eats. You know, it's like from her generation, tapioca was, it's like, hey, we're going to have some tapioca. Okay. <laughs> it's like, all right, mm, what's that? You know, interesting. Cause I, I started, it, that was never, it just, that question really just popped into my mind when you were talking, when you used it. Cause, cause mm, boba mm. is kind of a made up, uh, made up word, right? It didn't, it's not a, an English word. It kind of, it's just important. It was imported and it just became a, a word that people use. What's the Chinese word for boba? <laughs> Nothing that sounds like boba. It's called jinju, which is huh. pearl. So someone was just like, yeah. this looks like a boba. Let's just call it that then. I wonder, because <laughs> the confusion was that I saw boba tea places that sell bubble teas. <laughs> uh. I don't know if it's just a mispronunciation of the word bubble, and then it became uh. bubble. But even bubble is not pearl, so I don't 
I really don't know. Well, it does kind of, you know, it has the shape of a bubble and it's it, in a it, liquid. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe guess. you're onto something. I think you you have it. So my, my next question is for you. You know, you, I'm an American. I come to China. These are some of the diffusions that I've seen. Obviously, your perspective is, you know, the opposite. So you came from China and you lived in the United States. Yeah. What kind of things did you see Americans doing or that had diffused from China that are really popular that you know? Americans do that got diffused in China. That's a really- uh, I said, both both ways. Either way. What have you noticed um, that I am missing? I guess one thing that I saw, it's not really diffused, but it's get actually gaining popularity, but without the roots of it. And then in that way, I guess it is diffusion. It's uh, uh, a lot of these uh, traditional Chinese medicine stuff. So many people, not well, not that many, that's exaggerated, uh. sorry, but a lot of people, especially pro athletes, they're really going with the whole mm. uh, methods of like, you know, the traditional Chinese medicine way of treating their mm-hmm. muscle injuries or their pain, their muscle mm-hmm. pains, like uh, uh, acupuncture and cupping. I, my friends in New York, were, were they were introducing me to uh, acupuncturists in Chinatown, but I didn't, I didn't go. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, I feel like acupuncture somehow made its way through yeah. to, to, to America, but somehow drinking hot water hasn't made its way through yet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's one. That's something that's that I was surprised to see. Like people are like, "Oh yeah, you want to go to my acupuncturist?" I'm like, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, it's a it's a dancer friend, and she goes to do that. Like I think every week or two weeks to treat her body." I think you're right. Even when I was young, acupuncture was already becoming a thing. And a lot of people do that now. I have a lot of expat friends who live here in, in China who, who swear by it. And they're like, yeah, this is a huge thing that seems to be. Yeah, I've only done it once. I actually haven't done it. No, no, I take that back. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Because I, I think I drank that night. <laughs> my <laughs> my uncle, um, my Chinese uncle, my wife's uncle, technically, he, uh, I showed mm-hmm. up to, to a dinner recently this year. And he was like, okay, Jason, this is going to help you lose weight. And he started sticking needles in my oh no in my stomach <laughs> and i was like okay this doesn't hurt at all you know it, was, it didn't it, you know like getting an injection hurt more it was totally like sh- like more slender than that and then i was sitting yeah. there and they're like i don't know 10 people in the room and i have my belly out <laughs> how did it feel Jason? <laughs> well i'm just have these needles sticking it, it was fine it was fine actually i did lose some weight after that huh? um can i go visit you guys <laughs> take me to your uncle he seems to be know what he's doing and you know, I felt, it felt very safe because, you know, he was taking them out of these like sealed bags. So I was like, okay, cool. Hmm. Yeah. Go for it, uncle. Cha-cha, cha-cha, cha-cha. And they just stick yeah, all these needles in Because for, for me, I thought I would think that, you know, uh, massage and of course people do a lot of that. Mm, mm, and mm. other non-invasive traditional Chinese yeah. medicine would be more popular. But f- for some reason, the most invasion that Chinese traditional medicine could do, which is poking little holes in your body, and which is acupuncture, gained so much popularity mm, mm. in the in the States. I was like, hmm, wonder...
there's a lot of, I was thinking about this, you know, we've talked about in previous episodes, really great business ideas. You know, the Chinese cough syrup, the Chinese cough syrup, the like Chinese traditional, yeah, it's like a sweet syrup, you put it in your throat, and then you stop coughing. Pipa go. I, is that it? I'm I, actually, I think so. I'd have, to, I'd have to see the bottle to remember exactly. It is the best cough suppressant I've ever had. It is amazing. You know, I was thinking about it just now while you were talking about acupuncture. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, I need to do is figure out how they make this and then just start making it in America. I'll be rich. Because I've tried like all the Robitussins and the whatever Dayquil, NyQuil stuff. And, you know, that uses a really powerful drug called, uh, I can't remember, DXM or something, dextromethorphan. And uh, it's a really powerful drug a drug actual drug but like the chinese medicine is yeah. not based on like the use of drugs it's just like a kind of a syrup but it works way better and immediately you you put it in your throat and within a two seconds three seconds you're not coughing and it lasts for a couple hours at least it is one of the best cough syrups i've ever had this traditional chinese medicine yeah cough syrup. it does there's even no technology involved in the making of those things because there's another kind of uh, syrup i think the one you had is like the what do you call those kind of fruits the, lo- the loquats or something like that but they also make those really sticky and dense cough syrup with just pears if you have patience you could just make that and but don't you know, tell people the recipe that's going to be my business oh, sorry i'll pay you 20 quid for the loss of uh, disclosing business secrets (laughs) my wife makes me uh, like a chinese uh traditional medicine tea when i say i i might be getting a cold oh okay I'll be right back. And then she goes and makes tea. Right really <laughs> yeah. fast. Drink this. Okay, sure. And you know, I swear that it does help because usually, you know, your own body and I'm like, okay, if I can feel a cold coming on, you could kind of like register. It's going to be maybe about this bad based on my initial symptoms. And you can kind of feel it's going to be how many day arc you can have a guess. Maybe you're wrong, but you know, I'm old enough to know that I, what's going to happen. And since I started taking these teas, I feel like I don't get sick as long or as extremely as I maybe would have. And so I feel like this is a lot of amazing benefit to traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah, I guess you're not disclosing what goes into your tea as well. It tastes delicious. I don't know. My, my wife does it for me. She goes and gets a bag and pours <laughs> something in there and like hot water and like mixes it. Like, sh- you know, she knows the whole routine. I, I, I wouldn't even know if I was in a, a, a medicine shop here in China or a traditional Chinese medicine shop, which thing to buy. Like, a, it's the greenish, it's the greenish bag. I don't know that one. Maybe. <laughs> Also, just not good at reading Chinese characters. So it's too matter. different. It's too different. I, I, I tr- I'm trying. Work on it, Jason. <laughs> so you know what other things from <laughs> okay. like the West have become really popular in China in the last thirty years? I would say coffee. Coffee started. Coffee. That's the popularity probably started in the the last thirty years. But I think it was imported way before that. Like people were drinking coffee way before that. But only people that had some sort of contact with Western culture. Mm. Like if they were diplomats or, you know, they were like business people that traveled really far and came back and those people were drinking coffee. Cause I know some, uh, um, uh, really mm. classy ladies in the 1920s mm. and they were drinking, they were already drinking coffee, but it, I think coffee, I don't remember when the first Starbucks came mm. to China, but I think in the past 20 years, it was like, it just that the whole coffee industry just exploded. Milkshake here. with the uh, coffee flavor, Starbucks. <laughs> the the Frappuccino, I can't drink that anymore. I'm too old. To- it's too much sugar. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Listen to yourself, Jason. <laughs> yes, I've become old. <laughs> 
You know, in addition to the village or the area that was for um, uh, the French to live in that they don't live in here in Wuhan, there was another place. <laughs> uh, actually, I have two little stories. So, there's another place here in Wuhan. It's called Wuhan Flower Gallery. And it's like a huge mm-hmm. park with like rides for kids and like, what are those little horses called? Ponies, ponies for the kids too. There's a helicopter ride you can take there. But in the middle of this like um, theme park place with lots of flowers, there's a French villa. And it has like a clock tower and all of these old French looking style buildings and cafes and stuff. And, you know, I have another parallel with that because, again, no actual French people. But, you know, Chinese people love like <laughs> international architecture, just like it's very popular in the United States to see like Japanese and Chinese architecture. There, there's this place in Modesto, California, and it's like a little, um, it's hard to find. It's on this street called McHenry, way out in the countryside where like some Chinese people moved and they built like a tiny little Taoist temple for themselves. And it has two or three different buildings and complexes. And I remember being a young man and you could kind of almost see it from the road. And the young people would, pull off into the uh, the sticks, you know, into the into the brush, and then sneak onto their property to go and like just take pictures of themselves in these buildings and around this area because it, it was so beautiful. A lot of Americans, I think there's kind of a romance with like Chinese style architecture, like because it's very, very different from like the architecture around everywhere else. I think that's one of the big reasons people like Chinatown. People go to Chinatown because they have a lot of like architecture in these areas that's very dissimilar to the surrounding area and it's like very unique and therefore kind of beautiful because of its originality relative to all of the other architecture around it yeah i've never been to the chinatown in in san francisco but in in boston and i'm trying to remember new york it's kind of a distant memory but in in boston there's a big like archway um Mm. that says uh, something. It doesn't say Chinatown, but it says, you know, Chinatown in a different language or something. <laughs> but, um, I don't remember. I really don't remember New York having architecture that is so uniquely Chinese because it's kind of like the it's in the lower, super lower part of Manhattan. Everything's like super crowded. Um, and the only actually matter of fact, the only architecture that I remember from uh New York Chinatown was a was a church. Hmm. Like that's the only like really different thing in the middle of Chinatown and that church went through a lot of uh, restoration and you know it went under attack a couple of times and I felt like that stayed longer um 
than the the architecture, Chinese architecture. And I feel like sometimes when people say Chinese architecture, I'm like, you know, what what are you really referring to? It, it feels mm-hmm. like people are talking about like temples mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know, actually, you reminded me of something here in Wuhan in a place called uh, Wuchang. There's a place called Valley Optic Square, and in Valley Optic Square, they have like an Italy street. They have mm-hmm. those little, like, I don't know, it's what it's called, uh, like the gondola, the little boats that you row out and you push the stick yeah, on the bar. Yeah, yeah. They have that. And they have this huge, gigantic, like Catholic church like structure that's not a Catholic church. So it looks exactly <laughs> like a really beautiful, like, 200 year old Catholic church. You walk inside and there's a Burger King inside. <laughs> Beautiful. It, it, no, it's really cool though. You know, it has little, they have the little rows of the wooden seats that look like they're going to, there's going to be like a, a wedding there or something. And then Burger King. Yeah. It's really just fast. I will, I will say though that uh, some of these chains, this uh, either coffee or fast food chains, they really did the whole, you know, blending in with if you're going to a tourist city, they really did the blending mm. in part. Um, they really made a lot of effort. We went to we, when we were traveling earlier this year, we went to Guangxi province and we saw we went to different mm-hmm. Starbucks and they were in different sections of the city. And wherever they're in, they try to be part of that neighborhood. It's mm-hmm. not always mm-hmm. just that green uh brand the green uh uh, board outside with the siren Mm. in the middle and the inner decoration is different and they try to be you know part of the culture of where they are and that's actually that's Mm -hmm. pretty fun i i like that part you know trying to be um a member of of where this shop is i think they have that in beijing you know um chianmen with a Q, Qianmen, they have yeah, the, yeah, star- yeah. the three floor Starbucks that looks like has like blends in with the rest of the architecture around it. Right, I, I haven't been to that one yet, but I think I heard about it. But also, a three floor Starbucks is really excessive. <laughs> like, <nah. laughs> you know, it's really narrow. It's like uh, ah. they didn't have a lot of. So you go in the first floor; it's just for ordering, and then you have to go to the second floor for seating. And if there's overflow you go to the third floor so yeah it'll be too late i'll be too lazy to go up to the third floor (laughs) you know we didn't get to every topic i wanted to talk about but uh we covered a lot and we are at the end of the show alex as usual it's a great pleasure speaking with you always learning learning a jinx (laughs) i'm always learning as well um for both cultures we'll learn from one another next time then (laughs) (laughs) we'll keep this going thank you for your time sweet talk to you next time (laughs) 